Well, happy Mother's Day to everyone out there. It is such a blessing and such a privilege and joy to be able to share this message with you today. Now, Pastor James asked me to share uh, the message that would be in the continuing installment in the mental health series, which, by the way, has been phenomenal, especially the discussion in our small groups has been fantastic. It's really a time of encouragement, building each other up and sharing together in the discussion. So the important points that have been addressed so far in this mental health series is that the struggle is real, and we know this, but of course these points are so real and true as we continue to grow in this, um, in this discussion. And then the second installment told us that it's okay not to be okay, just don't stay there. So great, fantastic insight that we've uh, had so far in this series. And today's message addresses an important subject of what is called soul care, giving care to your soul. Now, soul care is very different than self-care. Self-care has the potential of becoming a selfish routine, indulging in self in the name of care. So, it is important to give attention and care to our souls in order to enjoy a healthy inner life. Now in this message, we're gonna focus in the importance of a transformed belief system, and we'll see how it all connects. So scripture tells us that we were created in the image of God. We were created with spirit, soul, and body, and we're created as integrated wholes. Now, the best description that I've heard of what it means to be created in the image of God is that we were created with the intrinsic ability to reflect God's holy character. No other creature has that ability. We are valuable in that God shared his life with us when we were created. So another other creature has this intrinsic ability to reflect the character of God as humans do. Now, life is only in him and he shares his life with humans. And this is what gives value to our life. It gives us worth and purpose and meaning and dignity. Now, if we need to care for our souls, then it is important that we define what our soul is. Now, the soul is the immaterial part of the human being that makes us who we are as individuals. It is our fundamental nature. The soul allows us to function as people and gives us the ability to relate to others. Now, although we are integrated wholes, the components of our soul include our mind, our emotions, and our will. The great thinker and Oxford professor C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, you don't have a soul. 
you are a soul. You have a body. So we can see how this explanation really zeroes down to the fact that we are primarily souls. So we see that the soul is God's design, created uniquely and individually. And for this reason, we find that our soul is never satisfied outside of God. We might look to other places, we might look to other things, but ultimately, the true satisfaction for our soul is found in God. So as I was researching the subject of soul care, researched some of what some counselors have described, and some describe the components of the soul with the imagery of an iceberg. With this illustration, we observe the tip of the iceberg, which is over the surface of the water. This tip is what everyone can see without really knowing what's underneath. Now notice in this image that the iceberg is a whole, but it does have different layers to it. So our core beliefs or our belief system is at the very base. The next layer, our thoughts, our mind, will be shaped by what we believe, by our belief system. Now then, the next layer is our emotions, which respond directly to what we're thinking. And now you can see that everything is interconnected. There is no way to separate our feelings from our thoughts. We find that our emotions or our feelings are kind of like a warning light on a dashboard. So our emotions are indicators of our thought life and of our belief system. And then at the very top of the iceberg, we find our will, our actions, our responses, our behaviors. And our will is inseparable from our feelings. We will invariably act according to our emotions. And our emotions, in turn, were molded by our thoughts and by our belief. So now you can see this picture of that interconnectedness. But of course, what we find is that our emotions, our mind, and our belief are beneath the surface of what the world can see which is the tip of the iceberg, our emotions, I'm sorry, um, our will, and that is our actions and our behaviors. Now, Scripture tells us that in the Garden of Eden, in the presence of God, Adam, as a living soul, experienced belonging, acceptance, security, peace, love, relationship, actually the whole rule of the earth, the full idyllic picture. But then we come to chapter 3 in the book of Genesis, and we find that something went wrong, didn't it? Scripture reveals that sin entered the world. And although we're created in the image of God with the intrinsic ability to reflect God's holy character— we find that sin damaged us greatly. 
And at the very core of our soul, our belief system became deeply rooted in our old sinful nature. So when our belief system is distorted, then every other aspect of our life becomes distorted and affected. Since we will always think, feel, and act according to our beliefs. Now, it's important to see that Scripture uses the words belief, faith, and trust interchangeably. And this is going to be very significant as we progress in this message. So belief, faith, and trust are words that are used in Scripture interchangeably. Now, Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We must believe in Him and place our trust in Him. That is what our faith in God consists of. So we find that our belief is essential to our spiritual life. Now, our very salvation is contingent on our faith. And again, the basis of our relationship with God is based on faith. So let's look at some scriptures that further reveal this. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And the Apostle Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So by God's grace, we are saved through faith. And it is a gift from God. It is a grace gift from God. Then Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So our salvation, again, is contingent on our belief. So here we see this confession of the mouth that is coming from the belief in our heart. And that is the basis of our salvation. We confess with our mouth, because we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. Then Romans 5.1 further expands on this, and it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So our justification, again, is through our faith. So it couldn't be more clear the great importance of our belief system, of our faith. So the question is, what does God want from us? What does he want? God wants our full belief and trust in him. And this belief is at the very base of our soul. Now remember back in the Garden of Eden where man enjoyed 
this idyllic picture? When the devil came, it was man's belief system that was assaulted by Satan's deception in the garden. So if he can get us to believe his lies, then he has a handle on our soul, mind, emotions, and ultimately our will. So now before we surrendered to Christ, we lived our life independent of God. And in this, we develop what I like to call our own personal okayness. And that is what we believe to be our ideal life. Our health, relationships, comfort, status, recognition, bank account, etc. Now the problem is that our okayness will be disrupted and challenged in this life constantly. We can't escape these challenges in our life. And so these circumstances, especially people, health issues, and other variables will disturb our okayness, our happy place. And sometimes our world is turned upside down. But see, this is important to hear is that God is not interested in your okayness. Rather, he is committed to the transformation of your belief system and the growth of our faith. God is interested in us fully surrendering our belief to him. He is so committed to this transformation that he sacrificed his life so that we could be restored back to him. Now, once we surrender to God, a radical transformation takes place. Something happens in the depths of our heart. And that is, we experience a new birth. Our spirit is reborn. When we come to Christ, we are a new creation. We are reborn spiritually. And this is explained beautifully by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, listen to this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So as we come to the Lord and place our faith in him, we are reborn and our life is now reconnected to the life of God through Christ. We're no longer separated from him because of sin. And again, 1 Corinthians 6, 17 contains a great description of what happens to us in this new position in Christ. And it says, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Isn't that great? We become united to the Lord, and we are one with him in spirit. So in this radical transformation, we go from death to life, from darkness to light. 
And if this transformation is so radical and this is such a fantastic new status and position, then what is the problem with us? Do you ask that? Well, the problem is that there is no mental delete button. Our patterns of thought and belief, which learned to be conformed to our old nation, are deeply ingrained in our mind. And there is no delete button. So it is like deep grooves deep trenches in our mind, in our thought process that become our default thinking. So one time, Mike and I were watching a documentary on TV uh, about the Oregon Trail, and it was a fascinating um, documentary that just depicted the journey of these uh, great pioneers from the East Coast who traveled in their covered wagons all the way across the United States to reach the West Coast. And that trail is called the Oregon Trail. But because it was thousands and thousands of people that made that journey, the wagon wheel trenches that were made in the soil in this Oregon Trail actually fossilized to where even to this day, you can see those trenches ingrained in the soil. So that's a good example of how some of these thought processes become so ingrained in our minds and sometimes it becomes so automatic that it seems we have no control over the way that we think and our default thinking. These patterns are also called strongholds. And I once heard a fantastic definition of what a stronghold is. So a stronghold is something that has a stronghold over you. Isn't that great? So now, even as a child of God who has been redeemed and regenerated, we struggle to reconcile this ingrained belief system to the truth of our new life in Christ. And sometimes there is a disconnect. So I was born and raised in a Christian home with great, fantastic parents who taught us the way of the Lord, reading the Bible, reading scripture, memorizing it, writing it down daily. But even though I was raised in this Christian atmosphere, the life that was communicated to me was more of a performance-based acceptance type of system. So if I didn't perform well or fit the expectations of perfection, which was all the time, to be honest, I came to believe that I wasn't acceptable unless I performed perfectly. So needless to say, in this type of system, I experienced a lot of rejection and low self-worth. And then I had my okayness and expectations planned to a T. But then, wouldn't you know it, life began to happen. And there was a period in my time where I went some very difficult health problems, some financial issues, 
many relationships in chaos. Relationships at work, with extended family, and yes, believe it or not, even at church. So with this ingrained in my belief system, every failure I experienced brought frustrations and I ended up spiraling downward, filled with anxiety, depression, and fear. And the most difficult thing was that I had a very troubled and harassed mental life. So my solution was to put on a facade. So back then, I didn't know that it was okay not to be okay, obviously. So this facade actually made it worse because I was not going to let anybody in to the fact of what I was experiencing. And of course, this was for the sake of keeping up appearances. One time, I actually put myself in the hospital with an anxiety attack. What? Ruth West? The great spiritual giant is depressed, full of fear, anxiety, and a troubled mental life? The answer is yes. That's where the Lord found me. But you know, God had a plan for me through all these struggles. And in one of my darkest hours, I had an amazing encounter with Jesus. And then he began to reveal to me the dysfunction of my belief system. And through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, I began to identify a myriad of lies I had come to believe. And I began to categorically replace these lies with truth. And these were the first steps of a long journey towards mental health. Now, the good news is that we don't have to stay in the cycle of a dysfunctional belief. In Christ, we are enabled to renew our mind and transform our inner self by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And I have found that as a child of God, it is important that we evaluate our belief system. It is imperative that we evaluate our belief system. But evaluating our belief system is a process, and it is part of our spiritual growth and our maturing in Christ. Now, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but trials and tribulations are actually helpful in exposing the faulty belief that we might be holding. They will expose what we truly believe because when we're squeezed, the truth of our belief actually comes out. But as a child of God, once these beliefs that are faulty are revealed, it is our responsibility to correct them. So the question we ask is, can we change our belief system and the answer is, you better believe it. But now there's another variable that's important for us to remember in our struggle. And that is that we still have a spiritual enemy 
who continues to deceive us into trying to live independently of God and follow the plan of our okayness for our own life. Now, earlier, I asked, what does God want from us? And I mentioned that God wants our belief. Well, so does the devil. The devil also wants our belief. He wants to control our belief system. So we now find that our battle is a spiritual battle. Now, the devil is called the enemy of our souls. He's a liar. And his strategy in this battle is to deceive us and distort three major areas of our belief system. He wants to distort our belief of who God is. He wants to distort our belief of who we are. And he wants to distort our belief of how to relate to other people and how to cope with circumstances. So if there is a distortion in these three areas, our mental, emotional life will be in chaos and we will consistently behave accordingly. Now, the good news is that the healing God has provided for our belief system is readily available. And this powerful tool, powerful weapon is the truth. Because a lie loses its power when faced with the truth. God wants us well in our innermost being. He wants health in our innermost parts. And this is gradually attained as we choose to believe the truth of God's word. Now the truth sets us free, but we must apply the truth to our lives daily. And allowing the Holy Spirit to establish his truth in our innermost being in our soul will bring health. Choosing truth is the best soul care you can give. So now we find that our road to recovery is no longer a power struggle, but it's actually a truth encounter. Now, as Jesus was sharing with the disciples in the upper room, he began to speak to them about the Holy Spirit. And we find his words in John 16, verse 13. So in speaking of the Holy Spirit, Jesus encouraged his disciples and he said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So since we're in a spiritual battle, the solution is a spiritual one. The spirit is the one who restores our soul. However, he does expect our participation. And so what, how do we participate in this restoration of our soul? Is that we, our response is to yield to the truth as the spirit guides us. So 
we must never resist, never grieve the Spirit or quench His work in our life by holding on to our idea of okayness. So remember that in this spiritual battle, the enemy will distort three things. The truth about God, the truth about ourselves, and the truth about others. So Satan attacks God in our minds every day. And in this attack that is very strategic for him, he makes us question and doubt God's wisdom as a result of the circumstances, the difficulties, the hardships that we face. That we face. However, our faith must be fully placed in the reality of who God is, who he truly is, because having a distorted view of God will weaken our faith. So in fact, the lower, the lesser knowledge of God we have, the smaller our faith will be. And the opposite is true. The greater our knowledge of God is, the greater our faith will be. And so you can see that this is a growth process. As we increase in the knowledge of God, our faith increases as well. So it is imperative that we know him. And Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So in the face of struggles and pain, discomfort, the devil might whisper some of these lies about God. He might say that our Heavenly Father is distant and disinterested, insensitive and uncaring stern and demanding, passive and cold, or absent, never satisfied with what we do, or impatient, mean, cruel, or abusive. Have you ever heard some of these lies in your mind about your heavenly father? The enemy might say that God is trying to take the fun out of life. He's controlling or manipulative, condemning or unforgiving nitpicking, exacting, or perfectionistic. But nothing could be further from the truth. We must, we must hear the truth about our Heavenly Father, that He is intimate and involved, kind and compassionate, accepting and filled with joy and love for us, warm and affectionate, always eager to be with me, patient and slow to anger. That is repeated so many times through Scripture. He is patient, loving, gentle, and protective of me, trustworthy, and wants to give me a full life, tender-hearted and forgiving. His heart and arms are always open to me, He's committed to my growth and proud of me as his growing child. 
So if you are struggling in your faith, consider that it might be because you are not believing the truth about who God truly is. So can we change our belief about who God truly is? Can we get that changed in our life? You better believe it. It's our choice. And I found that we must choose. It's a choice. Choose to believe the truth about our Heavenly Father. Now, the same applies to our own identity, which is the second area the enemy will, will distort. And the way that we live our lives and conduct ourselves will always be based on self, our self-perception. So we must believe the truth about who we are in Christ. We are no longer defined by our past. We are now defined by Christ's work on the cross. And we are now light since the light lives in us. So in Christ, we are loved, accepted, secure, and significant. Not because of our performance, but because of his commitment to us as we respond to him in faith. And if we see ourselves the way the enemy wants us to see ourselves, we will leave, live lives defeated with no purpose. For example, if we see ourselves as rejected, then this belief will travel upwards, up from the iceberg, from our belief to the way we think, the way we feel, and ultimately it will be reflected in the way that we conduct ourselves. Now the same applies to any kind of distorted belief about ourselves, such as incorrect belief about our worth, our value, our pride, our self-sufficiency, any distortion in our belief will travel upward. And it might be more of a volcano than it is an iceberg because what you truly believe will eventually show, and especially when the hardships and the difficulties in life occur. So, can we change our belief about our identity in Christ? You guess the answer. You better believe it. It is our choice. And I found that we must choose to believe the truth about our identity in Christ. Now, the third area that the devil assaults in our belief system is what we believe about our relationship with others. As I mentioned before, sin damaged us internally. But the sin of others also greatly affects us and further damages us. We play expectations on others. And these expectations is what we believe will contribute to our okayness. Now, some expectations are valid, others are not. But when people betray us or fail to meet our expectations, the result will be disappointment at best and deep hurt at its worst. This hurt 
will impact our belief system. And our belief system can be distorted by the pain that we suffer. And this is because we become protective of ourselves and learn to cope with these circumstances in unhealthy ways. So when someone sins against us, it damages our perception of our value. Now let me be clear, it does not diminish our value, but it hurts our belief in our value, which is God-given. It is challenging to let go of the hurt and the offenses of others towards us. But think of Jesus. God Almighty in the flesh was looked down upon, despised and rejected, abused, ridiculed, and ultimately unfairly crucified. We see this in Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 5. It's a messianic prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. And he says, he was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. So since God has shown us great mercy great grace towards us, we become Christ-like when in the worst possible moment of abuse, pain, and suffering, we release our offender from the prison of unforgiveness. Now Jesus, while hanging on the cross, still feeling the pain, still feeling the abuse, still feeling the rejection, still feeling the physical injuries, he cried, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So as a child of God, in order for this belief to be corrected, it is imperative that we offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us. And God requires it. God requires that we forgive. But if we wait to forgive until we feel like forgiving, it will never happen. So we find that forgiveness is a choice and we must choose daily to forgive. Now it doesn't mean that we must tolerate sin. Forgiving doesn't mean that you're a doormat and people can stomp all over you with their continual sin. But instead of being a doormat, we can choose to become the doorman. We can close the door on that abusive, and we must not just be stomped upon and tolerate sin. However, we can offer that forgiveness. So in closing, we find that the best care that we can give to our souls and our inner self is a transformed belief system through the truth, accepting, choosing, believing the truth of who God is, who we are, and God's design 
for us to live at peace in our relationships. Our belief systems at, the, at our very core can be healthy, and this health will permeate your mind, your emotions, and your behaviors. But don't forget that the battle is a spiritual battle. But also remember that truth is the spiritual strategy to win the battle for your soul. And a transformed belief system will bring that assurance and take that step towards peace. So as we close today, let's quietly meditate on how important our belief system, how important our faith is, and the attacks that can come against our belief. The work of the Spirit, He's the one who works in us, but He invites us to participate in our choice, in choosing to believe the truth, to bring health to our souls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to you that you have made a way to restore us back to health. When sin had deeply harmed us, Lord, you gave your life for us to restore us back to communion and union with you. And this union is for eternity. It's not a temporary situation. It's for eternity, an everlasting life. And Lord, that you also have given us the weapons in which to fight the lies of the devil, and that is your truth. Holy Spirit, we just pray in the name of Jesus that your truth will deeply and richly dwell within us. Enlighten our eyes to see your truth. And this truth brings us the peace that we need in our hearts, our souls, our minds, our emotions, and ultimately our actions and behaviors. We give you praise. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus, amen.